Welcome to Healthcare Highwire, where we balance business with healthcare. Sandy has served as Director of Clinical Operations, Clinical Compliance Specialist, and Director of Nursing Services. She joined LCS in 2013, where she is the Director of Clinical Services for our life plan communities. Today's host, Sandy Toole. Jennifer is the ANCC Accredited Provider Program Director and Mock Surveyor in the Health Services Division at LCS. She oversees the Life Care Services Accredited Provider Unit, which plans, develops, and executes ANCC Accredited Nursing Continuing Professional Development Education. Today's speaker, Jennifer Williams-Land. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to discuss the new Phase 3 Requirements of Participation. I'm Sandy Toole, and I'm joined again today by my colleague, Jennifer Williams-Lamb. As a reminder, Phase 3 went into effect in 2019 with no surveyor interpretive guidelines. And then on June 29th of this year, CMS has finally released the surveyor guidance, which will begin on October 24th of this year. Our goal is to help you understand each of these changes and how you can be prepared. Each podcast, we are showcasing one of those changes taking place, and today we are talking about behavioral health. Hey there, Jennifer. Thank you for being here. Hey, Sandy. It's always good to be here with you and uh, to help everyone who may have questions about the Phase 3 ROP changes. So, uh between the two of us, we'll help them work through all this and have a better understanding and be prepped for October 24th, 2022. Well, that sounds great. How about you recap for the listeners what they can expect from this whole series of podcasts? Okay, let's see. Each podcast is going to cover one of the 14 areas with phase three changes. We will utilize information provided to us from CMS, ACA and Leading Age, and as always, we reference that big old State Operations Manual, Appendix PP, uh, to provide you with the same information that your state surveyors use when they come in to do that state survey. And as always, Sandy and I advise that you download the SOM and follow along with us to get the most complete information. Well, those are all great resources, and as we said, today we're going to discuss behavioral health. Looks like this involves two tags, F740, which is behavioral health services, and then F741, which is sufficient staff, competent staff for behavioral service needs. Um, Both had some revisions. Jen, can you go through some of those changes? Absolutely. Um, F740 Behavioral Health Services states that each resident must receive and the facility must provide the necessary behavioral health care and services to attain or maintain the highest practicable physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being in accordance with the comprehensive assessment and plan of care. Behavioral health encompasses a resident's whole emotional and mental well-being, which includes, but is not limited to, the prevention and treatment of mental and substance use disorders. F741 states that the facility must have sufficient staff who provide direct services to residents with the appropriate competencies and skill sets to provide nursing and related services to assure resident safety, and attain or maintain the highest practicable physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being of each resident as determined by that resident assessment and individual plans of care 
and considering the number, acuity, and diagnosis of the facility's resident population in accordance with 483.70E. These competencies and skill sets include, but are not limited to, knowledge of and appropriate training and supervision for caring for residents with mental and psychosocial disorders, as well as residents with a history of trauma and or PTSD, and that they have identified in the facility assessment and that they implement the non-pharmacological interventions. Okay. Well, what kind of new guidelines are there for these changes? Well, for F740, CMS removed a reference for Appendix P and then added a reference to the passer requirements specific to residents diagnosed with mental disorders. There was a section added on the use of behavioral contracts and that the contracts cannot conflict with resident rights or other requirements of participation. CMS added information regarding schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. They also added a new severity level for example that was added pertaining to the mental health needs of a resident diagnosed with substance use disorder. They also added guidance to refer to the psychosocial outcome severity guide. For F741, CMS added references to residents who have a history of trauma or PTSD. They defined trauma and PTSD. Guidance was added to determine if, you know, care for those with substance use disorders and that the facility should determine if they have the capacity, services, and staff skills to meet those requirements. Non-pharmacological interventions were added for the care of those with substance use disorders and mental health issues as well. So there was a lot added as far as schizophrenia goes and the substance use disorders because they're finding that with the opioid crisis that we most likely will have residents who have those needs and we just need to be as prepared as possible to be able to provide that care. Well, this this certainly is a big change. I, I don't think in my history in long-term care that we've had any guidance as far as substance use or substance abuse. And honestly, we've tried to avoid those types of residents in the past. It's kind of funny, just this week, I had a request for a policy or some information on S-U-D, and I blanked. I just couldn't remember what that acronym meant, and you've really brought it to light now, substance use uh, disorder. So again, very new to our industry. So let's take a look at some of those key elements of noncompliance here. Um, According to the SOM, a few of the key elements for noncompliance for 740, F740, include failure to identify, address, and or obtain necessary services for behavioral health needs of residents a failure to develop individualized person-centered care plans. And I can't stress enough that those care plans cannot be general. They have to be person-centered. And a failure to identify individual stressors and utilize person-centered interventions to support the resident, among other elements. For F741, the facility can get a citation if they fail to rule out underlying causes for the behaviors if they fail to identify the signs and symptoms of substance use in a resident with a substance use disorder, and a failure to provide care in accordance with the individualized care plan that meets the needs of the residents with mental disorders, substance use disorders, a history of past trauma, 
and or other behavioral needs. The psalm obviously lists a few others under each tag. It would take a long time to read all of those, and that's why we tell you to download that psalm and follow along because you will find a few more instances and examples. A big part of understanding the tags and avoiding deficiencies is knowing that the surveyors, their interpretation of noncompliance, they look at those key elements. That's how they do this. And they look at that to guide them. And you should use those to guide you in being prepared. Um, Sandy, can you tell the listeners how we're going to assist them with compliance? Well, you know, as with all of these changes, we are in the process of creating some new guide forms with action item checklists for each of those new areas. For this particular area, behavioral health, for F740 and F741, we want you to do things like examine your current policy and process on resident assessments for trauma history and PTSD. We did add back in whenever this whole thing started, 2017, um, we did add to our EMR system a trauma evaluation, a trauma assessment. So make sure you are completing those according to your policy. Take a look at your policy and your process for assessment, mental health diagnoses, and substance use disorders. Educate your staff on all your best practices and identify additional resources for behavioral and mental health. And this should obviously include an agreement with uh, a mental health clinician and psych services that can assist your staff uh, with these needs. And then finally, identify your residents who have diagnoses of behavioral, mental health, or substance use disorders, and make sure your interventions match the diagnosis uh, for that particular individual. As we stated earlier, we are here to provide the most up-to-date information and to provide tools to assist you. Um, The guidance forms with the action item checklist will get you ready prior to the deadline of October 24, 2022 and beyond. Well, once again, Jen, I think you've provided some great information and a really good start to understanding those changes in behavioral health. And I think this is going to coordinate well with one of our other podcasts on trauma-informed care. As we mentioned earlier, as we learn more and as there are more CMS updates and regulation changes, we, of course, will provide that guidance through podcasts like these, webinars, emails, etc. Well, thank you all for joining us today for the continuing Phase 3 Rules of Participation series of podcasts. And I hope you're finding these discussions to be beneficial and will continue to join us as we continue our discussions with the upcoming changes. Jennifer, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I really look forward to our next podcast. I do too, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all so much. This is Sandy Toole and Jennifer Williams-Lamb signing off. I hope you join us again next time on Healthcare Highwire.